legislators approve the governor's health emergency declaration, students begin classwork again, and the culinary community finds ways to support first responders. I'm Dave Morris, and today is Monday, April 6th. Oklahoma's number of positive coronavirus cases now stands at 1,327. The number of virus-related deaths is 51. The state health department said it received more than 6,000 negative test results over the weekend from private labs dating back to February. This gives us a better look at overall testing numbers. Health department officials say the agency continues to get negative results from private labs and will make the final count known to the public. I clear the vote. 99 I, 1 nay. I have received a majority vote elected to a constitute of the House. I declare HCR 1001 to have passed. On Monday, the state legislator gave Governor Kevin Stitt sweeping power to respond to the health crisis during a special session. Lawmakers approved Governor Stitt's health emergency declaration. Our Carmen Foreman has more on the action from state leaders and what it means for Oklahoma's fight against COVID-19. The legislature passed the health emergency declaration, um, and it's really called like a catastrophic health emergency as part of the Catastrophic Health Powers Act. Um, And so they passed that today, this morning, and it gives the governor um, a whole new wealth of power to tackle this emergency. And when I say emergency, obviously I'm talking about the COVID-19 situation. Um, So it gives him 30 days um, of this declaration and these expanded powers. And so sort of what he can do is he can, you know, cut regulations. He is allowed to um, cut state statutes or sort of like go around state statutes. And then um, if he needs money to help deal with the health crisis, well, he can take $50 million from any of the funds that are currently available to the governor. And he can basically move that money to, you know, maybe the state department of health or any other entity that's helping with this situation. So, Two things, you know, legislators talked about um, this This would give the governor unprecedented power. No Oklahoma governor has ever wielded this specific power before. Um, and so the legislature asked that um, basically any time the governor does um, go around a state regulation or a state statute, that he inform the House Speaker and the Senate pro tem in advance Um, And then they also noted that they were keeping the special session sort of, how do I put this, on pause. So, you know, lawmakers won't be at the Capitol every day, but um, they, if they feel that the governor is misusing his powers, then they can quickly convene, go back to the Capitol and uh, revoke the declaration at any point in time. And, um, Maybe let's just talk for a sec about the weirdness of the state capitol in the COVID-19 situation. I personally was not at the state capitol today, but our photographer, Brian Terry, took some great photos and, you know, it was just different. I mean, they kept the legislators very spaced out. They had no more than 10 people on the House or Senate floor at any given time. Um, They, when they had to vote, which obviously, you know, in the House, that's that's 100 members that have to vote. So um, they sort of cycled them out um, in small groups. And not everyone was there today. Some people did not feel comfortable going to the Capitol. So they let somebody else in their party vote for them as the sort of proxy voting. 
And then the other complicated thing that the legislators were supposed to do today and did accomplish today is that they were basically supposed to pass bills to address the revenue shortfall in the current year's budget. So Governor Stitt said on Friday that he expected there would be a $416 million revenue shortfall this year. And he wanted, um, he wants to tap the rainy day fund and other state reserves to fill that budget gap. Um, and so in order to do that, the legislatures have, legislators have to pass legislation to do so. But first, the Board of Equalization, which Governor Stitt is the head of, has to meet and certify that there is a revenue shortfall. So one of those things happened today and one of those things did not. The Board of Equalization did not meet, but the legislature did pass bills to, you know, to basically fill the budget holes. So still trying to figure out some, I still have questions about what this means um, and where we go next. The Board of Equalization will supposedly meet here soon at a date and time to be announced, um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see like so many things at the state capitol. There's been a lot of behind the scenes um, work going on and it's in short order, we got a lot of great things happening. So for my perspective, I've just gathered a team together and we're doing tally marks to see which families are coming through to get which packets that they need so we can know what we need to be prepared for next week. Prairie Queen Elementary School Principal Lisa West and her staff handed out meals and educational materials on Monday morning. April 6th kicked off the first day of distance learning for students across the state. As our Nuria Martinez-Kill reports, educators are doing everything they can to provide resources to students and families. So Monday, April 6th, is the first day of distance learning for public schools in Oklahoma. And what that means is instead of students gathering for class and school buildings, they all are going to have to learn from home. Uh, Schools are going to rely on online lessons, providing students to um, links to to different educational sources and also putting together lessons of their own. A lot of teachers are making uh, videos for students or or doing Zoom calls with them by video conference, um, as well as putting together physical lesson packets. Um, In Oklahoma City today, I saw uh, teachers and nutrition staff handing out school meals and at the same time providing lesson packets to those same families if they request them. You know, every single uh, site where meals are being distributed, at least in Oklahoma City public schools, is also going to have every grade level represented in their physical packets as well. So, you know, somebody could swing through an elementary school, grab a meal, and then also uh, pick up a, a lesson packet for even an 11th grader. Um, so, every district has had to get a little bit creative with how they're going to provide instruction uh, to their kids. Um, But unfortunately, not every student has access to online learning. And so they've had to rely on physical lesson packets. Um, You know, some districts are even having to deliver those to students' homes. Um, And that's just what distance learning is going to have to look like until the end of the school year. Um, The State Board of Education voted a few weeks ago to officially close school buildings for the rest of the year and then set May 8th through May 15th is kind of a target 
date for school districts to go ahead and cut off their school year before they move into summer learning. Um, and, and even though many students in the state don't have internet access, state school superintendent Joy Hoffmeister said that she would like to work at the state level to provide as much internet access as possible. She's thinking across the board, everybody who doesn't have it right now should have it. Um, she's kind of making that her mission at this point, and, and she believes that she can do that um, if, if the state government all works together and you pull together different resources from various state agencies, um, and that involves providing devices to families that don't have them, uh, internet access, maybe that's with mobile hotspots or, or other ways of providing that connectivity um, and, and and making sure that they have the tools that they need at home to be able to not only access online lessons, but be able to connect with their teachers and, and maintain contact with them. Um, one school that we visited uh, on Monday, Prairie Queen Elementary in Oklahoma City, the principal of that school said that not every family has even a working telephone number. So they've had to contact extended family members, even ones who live out of state, to try to get in touch with their students and, and making sure that teachers are going to be able to maintain contact with them. Um, so it's going to be very much a process, um, a lot of trial and error as, as we go through the next couple of weeks and months. Um, but uh, Superintendent Hoffmeister said she feels that if the state government works together, they can provide online access to all students, maybe even before the start of the next school year. It'll remain to be seen whether that turns out to be possible or not, uh, but that's what education officials are saying they would like to do as school districts navigate this new reality. Nearly 6,000 Oklahomans applied for initial claims for unemployment compensation last week. Robin Robertson, executive director of the Oklahoma Employment Security Commission, said this is a preliminary figure and is an unofficial sum of claims taken by the commission's website. The official count won't be released until later this week, and it's unclear whether Oklahoma has seen a peak in filings for initial claims. The culinary community is struggling to find footing during the pandemic. While some eateries are offering carryout and drive-through service, others have closed their doors. The food dude Dave Cathy updates us on the state of the local dining scape, as well as their efforts to support those on the front line of the health crisis. Hey, Oklahoma, this is Dave Cathy, the food dude, talking to you from quarantine. Thought I would take a couple of minutes to update you on what's going on around the culinary scene. Uh, here in the 405 in, in, in Oklahoma. Obviously, there's a lot of chaos, uh, not just uh, in the restaurant business, but throughout the world. We've got it. We're in the middle of a health crisis right now. And, you know, obviously, that's the main focus. And that's why there's the, the community has got some things going to, to, to support that. But they've also got some things going to try and uh, to support themselves. Because the uh, hospitality community has been the first to be hit by this pandemic uh, threat. And it's closed a lot of restaurants. And, and those that are open are operating at about 20% of their normal capacity. So there's not any real money coming in right now. Most most places that are operating, even with curbside service, are doing it just to make sure that they maintain some employees and keep some people paid and fed. Um that's the real honest truth about about what you're seeing out there. So it is important that you you build some of that into your budget if you can. Obviously, all, a lot of us uh, are facing financial downturn of our own here at the Oklahoma. And, you know, I'm going on furlough next week. So we're all feeling a crunch. But if you are at all uh, capable of supporting our local restaurants and caterers, uh, that's something that is absolutely recommend that you do. 
Um, so another way you can do that, Homeland has made uh, made it possible for local restaurants like Rococo and Ingrid's and Social Deck and Dining to uh, plant some of their uh, their finished product in the deli cases at Homeland stores around the city. So definitely be looking for those. Uh, there's more opportunities out there. Uh, for other restaurants and Homeland is also opening up their parking lots to local food trucks. They're doing that statewide at Homeland and, uh, and, uh, United stores. Uh, the schedule's a little hard to keep up with there because it, it's so day to day. If you have a favorite food truck, I recommend that you find them on social media, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and you, and you dial in directly with them because they're making it up as they go along too. Uh, speaking of food trucks, not only at Homeland stores, but you're seeing them more and more pop up around local uh, neighborhoods and housing additions. There's been folks that have made deals with uh, HOAs to come and show up for an afternoon or an evening. Uh, you're seeing that more and more. Again, it's sort of it's sort of this grassroots campaign. There isn't like a good hub of information uh, to, to let you know where those things are going to be. It's all very piecemeal at this point. And I'm doing my best to kind of keep you abreast of all those things. Uh, the last thing I want to update you on is a project called Way Table. It's a nonprofit restaurant that was scheduled to open later this year. And it's operating through a foundation called the Spur Kitchen Foundation. And because of what's gone on, uh, the foundation has uh, has emerged a little early to help support local restaurants uh, get up and running to be a help to the uh, to the up well the ongoing and increasing uh, crisis that we're facing in our uh, hospitals. So look for restaurants. Uh, a handful of restaurants start operating this week, working exclusively to support uh, the health crisis for our first responders. Our emergency workers, our hospital workers. I'll have a lot more reporting on that later in the week as it starts to materialize. Meantime, stay safe and uh, talk to you soon. All right, that's it for today. More interviews and information on their way to Oklahoma.com. You might have noticed a note on our website today about furloughs. That's right, all of us in the Oklahoma's newsroom will be hit with furloughs over the next few months. You can help support local journalism by subscribing to our digital efforts. You can go to Oklahoma.com slash subscribe. And thank you. That's it for today. For The Oklahoman, I'm Dave Morris.